Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick. And joining me is my fellow co-host, Alistair Kirschpool, a.k.a. A.K.P. It's time for the RWC. How many more acronyms can I fit in? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How long did you work on that intro? I was expecting an OMG or an LOL from you, man. <laughs> no, that's that's your that's your bit. <laughs> that's my hackneyed bit. <laughs> man, things are slowing down here. At uh, things are going off the rails already at the Glorious Rugby Podcast. We need some rugby back. We need some Major League Rugby back. Yeah, it's true. And there aren't even really player signings at the moment. I mean, we'll go through a handful for other teams, but it's not even like Old Glory is, is making any moves or, you know, I don't think they've posted on their Twitter in, uh, like, it's two months or something. It's it's the quiet season. You know, there was that there was that tease a couple of weeks ago about a player that got deleted, and you have some info, and I think you've been sitting on it, and... Don't want to burn any bridges, so we can't really talk about it. And I hope it's still going to happen, but maybe, maybe because it's Rugby World Cup time, they're going to just let this take. You know, this will be the headline news for the next you know month and a half, and then after Rugby World Cup is over, maybe we'll start seeing some big news. So yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I mean, it's. I was actually wondering this before the uh, the podcast. I was like. This seems incredibly quiet for news um, for MLR, but then I looked it up. Apparently, last year, player signings didn't really start in force until sort of mid to late September. So, actually, it's not that it's not that unusual for us to to not really have a lot to talk about right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned there's a couple of, of player signings and a couple of. News. First, I want to start off um, with kind of the topical news. And this happened last weekend. I kind of missed it. But the USA Eagle scrum half, Ruben de Haas, who's playing in South Africa, he plays for the Cheetahs. It's where his, it's where his dad played and the grandfather. The whole family of de Haas is just running around playing good rugby down there in South Africa. Well, Ruben had uh, a knee injury last weekend. And then it got confirmed that it was actually an ACL injury right so you you know gosh the mind starts racing when you hear about an acl injury and out for the season nine months but there's been a lot of progress in acl reconstruction and rehab and a couple of folks sources close to to ruben that i chat with i'm hearing that it's an expected to be in a four to six month recovery because the same doctor that performed the surgery on South Africa captain Khaleesi, who was playing in the Rugby World Cup after having an ACL operation only like five, six months ago. Same doctor performing the operation on De Haas, so he could be back in as soon as six months, which is crazy to think about. Um, but AKP, just you know, hearing that news, it just goes to show what rugby's a, a tough sport and injuries can happen at any time and if you look at who else is in the scrum half depth chart there it's scary to think about how you know a major injury to a a top player can really expose maybe some depth issues are there depth concerns at at scrum half for the for the men's eagles i feel like there would have been if we hadn't found nick mccarthy who 
really stepped up and looked like the best option for the Eagles at scrum half in the, the summer tour. So I would be more concerned if that hadn't happened. But I, I also think there are options for the USA at scrum half. They might have to, to cap some some new players. I feel like there are a lot of good young scrum halves in the league. So I, ultimately, I'm not that concerned. And especially now, this is we're at the lowest possible stakes international rugby. You know, new coach who doesn't need to prove himself yet. You know, he's still in the honeymoon period. If he gets, he can lose a few games and and try a bunch of stuff out, and no one's going to hold it against him. You know, there's no World Cup to be preparing for. We're not going to have to play in, a, not even going to have to play in qualifying for a couple of years. Um, so it's. This is this is the time for the best possible time for injuries to happen and and for us to be able to experiment. Maybe it'd be good to get someone else in there anyway. I mean, De Haas loves to kick. He's a he's a kicking scrum half really, and I don't even know if that really fits the Eagles' style anymore. So maybe it would be worth them finding some other options at scrum half who who do fit the style. You know, sometimes this sort of thing can be a bit of a blessing in disguise. You know, sort of force them to find new players, new competitors. I mean, you you always want players to stay healthy and, um, you know, players to to have the opportunity. But when, when one player loses an opportunity, that creates an opportunity for another player. So I think for the, I think the Eagles will be fine. Um, and hopefully De Haas can recover in that four to six month window and and get back on his feet yeah and de Haas is only 24 years old oh yeah <laughs> he's still a spring chicken and plenty of time while, to round out his game too exactly and and while four to six months is you know an accelerated recovery it's almost like what are you rushing back for and yes i know the cheetahs want him to be healthy and come back and play they want him to be the starter down there but uh, no need to to rush a recovery at all, and you brought up, you bring up Nick McCarthy um, coming over from from what the Ireland age grade system. There, rumors have it, and according to America's Rugby News, that he's going to be joining the Chicago Hounds. Which uh, is interesting because right their scrum half over there was Michael Basca, who's a USA international. So um, you know, pretty good scrum half talent there in Chicago. If if McCarthy is joining, and, and that would be. That would be neat to see. I gotta say that the scrum half. I'm, we're jumping around here, but the, the scrum half talent here in MLR is only going to increase next year when the Miami Sharks they bring in their scrum half, the um, the Argentine who's got what like 89, 90 caps uh, for Argentina. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Tomas Cubelli. Uh, Cubelli. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. That's going to be fun to see him. Uh, play uh, in Miami so a lot of World Cup quality scrum halves going to be uh, in MLR in, in 2024 so speedy yeah. recovery to, to Reuben you brought a great point it's it's there's no need to rush this back like let's take your t- let's take some time here and, and figure this all out so that is the news on Reuben sliding on over to, to MLR now this happened last week and you know, I want to bring it up um, simply because I've seen so many just 
you know, nice messages and thoughts and, and sentiments around, uh, you know, unfortunate passing of, of Bill Webb, the one of the co-owners and founders of the, the Toronto Arrows, one of the original members, I believe, I could be wrong, of, of MLR when it first started. Fact check me on that one. But, uh, you know, when, when you talk about the impact that people have on, on others and just reading the, the number of just messages on on social and you know on reddit the impact that bill webb had um not only on the arrows organization but just you know rugby canada it's it's um you know take a step back um and and realize there's much more to life uh, than rugby but um it's good to see people come out and and just share messages of support around bill webb And, and the one thing that i wanted to bring up about this is that um you know, we've we've had other MLR owners who've had a sudden unfortunate uh, passing, right? The formerly Rugby Atlanta and their owner Marcus Callaway, he passed away, uh, kind of before the season began, what a couple of, of of years ago, and there was some some turmoil there, and obviously Atlanta now moving to Los Angeles. But I bring this up only because in the release that the Arrows put out, they mentioned that. The legacy of Bill is to continue to keep the team in in Toronto, which I think is important. I think there needs to be a couple of Canadian cities that have MLR teams. AKP, what do you what do you make of of, of all of this, and you know, kind of just maybe your thoughts on, on on Bill Webb, and and you know, hopefully a team continuing to stay in Toronto. Yeah, it's unfortunate news. Um, I mean, you never. You never like to hear of anyone passing, and um, Bill Webb does seem to have been, I mean, by all accounts, pretty much the reason that there is an MLR team in Toronto. I mean, and even, you know, there have been some some discussions online about issues with the, the Arrows as an organization, some, you know, issues with particular people there, but I don't think I've ever heard anyone say anything negative about Bill Webb. He seems to have been pretty universally liked and that, you know, that speaks well to him. And it's unfortunate that, that he's gone and he's, we've talked before about how, you know, these teams are really passion projects for their owners. They're, none of this makes any financial sense, not yet anyway. And, you know, these teams are really built on often one or two owners who at each team who really want to make it happen really want to see this whole project succeed and we've seen when you look at the teams that have that are no longer playing in mlr i mean glendale pulled out for uh (laughs) for petty reasons but then after that you know you had la and austin collapse and that was pretty much their, their owner didn't die, but he ran out of, you know, he darn near went bankrupt, um, which is, you know, so so once he was out, those teams collapsed. They couldn't continue on without, without you know, their star owner. Um, you look at Atlanta basically collapsed and had to be bought out because their owner died and, you know, could no longer bring his passion to the organization. And they really seemed to lose their way without without Marcus Calloway in Atlanta. And you just hope the same thing doesn't happen to Toronto, that they're able to to pull through it, that 
the remaining owners are able to, I guess, capture some of that magic and and figure out how to get it done, even even without Bill Webb there. Yeah, <clears throat> and it, I think uh, you know this week be on the lookout for uh, Le Rouge Rugby podcast. They're a podcast that focuses on the Toronto Arrows and. And, and rugby in Canada. I think they're going to have an episode this week talking about Bill. It's always, um, you know, I always enjoy getting their perspective on things. So be on the lookout for that, for a little more insight on kind of what Bill Webb meant to the Arrows and, and, and rugby in, in Canada there. And, you know, I'm optimistic that, that Toronto will, will carry on and, uh, you know, just look at the moves they've made in the off season. They've, they've strung together some pretty high, high profile moves. So we'll, We'll see what their team looks like in the 2024 season. But AKP, to kind of shift on over and talk a little bit more about a couple of some moves and some some signings, got to bring up a couple of things. Uh, the Utah Warriors, they traded uh, lock slash flanker Yuri Van Vuren to L.A. for salary cap considerations in the 2024 MLR season. Uh Again, we don't know the L.A. team name. We don't exactly know if all the coaches from the Atlanta squad are moving over. We've seen a couple of players are going to join L.A. from the Atlanta team, Johan Momsen being one of them. Uh, but curious that, uh, you know, L.A. here is now uh, adding a couple more players to the roster. I got to imagine this is going to be a pretty different team compared to the rugby Atlanta team from last year considering the rugby Atlanta traded a bunch of players to the arrows I don't know your thoughts on on the trade and potentially what LA is trying to do yeah I would I would assume that this is going to be basically a new team I I don't even think of it as like technically the team is moving I don't think of it that way I think it's this is in my brain it's it's a brand new team um, because like you say, so many key players left, and you know they're bringing in big players from elsewhere. We don't know that the coaching is going to be the same. Obviously, the ownership group is different. It's a different city. It it's going to feel like a completely different team. We'll see who else they get. They seem to have. It's it's going to be interesting to they've they've managed to get a bunch of cap space by trading players away previously like earlier this year so now they have a bunch of cap space to work with to trade four players from other teams so it'll be interesting to see how they fill out their roster because right now we don't even know that most of the atlanta players are going to go to la so i i (laughs) they are a complete mystery in terms of what this team is is going to be you know (laughs) one team moves and yet we know far less about them than we know about the brand new team coming into miami it's, a, it's an excellent point. It's an excellent point. So uh, I, we'll see. We'll see about LA um, over these next couple of weeks as more player announcements. And yeah, you got to love it. Another team making a, a couple of moves here the Dallas Jackals. They have signed Ben Fry. Ben Fry is a 6 2 flanker, he's a Welsh U20 international. So. You know, again, that's an international slot now. Dallas has lost a couple of players in the off season. I believe Conrado Aurora um, joined an Italian side. I'm, I'm missing one more Dallas player who was playing over 
in Italy. So it looks like Dallas is is kind of retooling there. Don't know well, much about Eric ben Naposky, Fry. right? Eric yeah, Naposky Naposky. going to yeah. to yeah. Miami, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't really know a lot about Ben Fry. Seems like a a solid signing. Seems like a a promising player. For Dallas, I feel like the big question is whether they can, you know, find a confident identity for 2024. I mean, 2023, they won some more games, but they still had a sort of frantic, like, everyone just playing out of their minds to get any sort of advantage. And it it didn't feel like there was as much a game plan there except just try and make stuff happen. And so I I feel like... You know, we could see more of the same from Dallas next year, or they could get it together and like have a game plan. I feel like a younger player like Ben Fry doesn't necessarily accomplish that for them. I feel like they could do with some some more experienced players, some older heads who will keep them keep the team in line and playing confidence, relaxed rugby. But you know, who knows. AKP, this is too perfect. I just happened to take a quick look on Twitter. And if not if on cue, the Chicago Hounds tweeted out that the good stuff starts on Monday. Transaction announcements start on Monday. So there we go. Something to look forward to. Excellent. Yeah. I'm willing to bet it's going to be the Nick McCarthy news. Yeah. But we'll see. Probably. Yeah. yeah. It's the worst kept secret in MLR. <laughs> Good stuff, good stuff. All right, uh, moving on. One more thing I want to bring up here, and this is another USA International, but the Seattle Seawolves announced that uh, flanker Ben Landry has moved on from the club. Um, It's not clear if he has retired from rugby, but it says that he wants to spend more time with his family, family commitments back in Wisconsin and help run the family business, which I think is kind of like a farm in Wisconsin. Last I checked, there's no MLR team in Wisconsin. Is this the last we've seen of Ben Landry in Major League Rugby? It's always hard to say. I mean, even when players explicitly retire, that doesn't mean that's the last we've seen of them. Um, I think it was Peter Tiberio who came back after retiring. Yeah. he's He's been a big part of Seattle, so it's that's quite the loss for them. I wonder if he knows something we don't, too, that there may be a, a team coming there or something like that. And so he's he's heading there, and then and then we'll join them when they join. Or maybe I'm overthinking it. That's, that's a bit of conspiracy thinking for you. If you were to place an MLR team in Wisconsin, uh, what, Milwaukee? It's a good beer-drinking town. Yeah. Um, I believe Marquette is in Milwaukee, and I believe... The late Chris Farley, who played rugby at Marquette, there's a rugby connection. Yeah. So I'm reaching here, but uh, you might be on something, maybe. Yeah, they could have a great rivalry with uh, with Chicago, too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Huh. I feel like you know something, AKP, and you're, uh, you're not telling us. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I don't know anything about this one. There's places I've heard rumors about, and Wisconsin's not on the list. Wisconsin's not on the list. Oh, good. 
All right, KP, I want to move on. Um, obviously, the, the biggest thing that's happening in the rugby world right now is the Rugby World Cup, which is going to be kicking off uh, in Paris, France on Friday. France versus New Zealand. We'll talk about who's going to win that one in a second. But I want to talk about some MLR players that are participating at the Rugby World Cup this year. And we covered it a little bit on prior episodes, but I th- there's a couple of, there's a few countries that have a few MLR players. I won't name them all, but the biggest ones, um, Namibia, they have six active MLR players who are going to be playing. They're in Pool A. I think they're going to have a tough, a tough go of it, but um, we'll see. Uruguay's got a couple of players in it. That I think they might have a better shot, maybe, of, of making some noise. Uh, Samoa, Tonga, um, Argentina, and I believe that is it. I may be missing one, but uh, I want to start with with Namibia. Namibia, I always struggle to say that name, simply because they've got a number of pretty high-profile MLR players that are on the squad that um, I'm excited to watch them play. Uh, from the MLR champion, New England Free Jacks, you've got Vian Conradi, who's kind of flanker, eight-man for them. He's got about 17 caps. Uh, LaRue Milan, the center for the Free Jacks, he's only 24 years old, uh, which is crazy. He's still young. He's got, I think, about two or three caps. Um, Adrian Boyson, eight-man for Dallas, he's got around 10 caps. Damian Stevens, scrum half for Nolan Gold. Cliven uh, Lobser, uh, fly half fullback for for Utah. So, you know, a number of quality MLR players who are playing for Namibia. And again, Namibia's pool A. I don't know if they've got the best chances uh, necessarily in this Rugby World Cup, but. Anything you're looking for out of maybe Namibia or any of those players that we had mentioned? I think it's always fun to see MLR players, whatever team they're from, playing at the highest level, playing on the biggest stages. I think it's it's good for the visibility of the league, and I like the idea of you know the comment. I always like it when commentators mention that they're they're playing in major league rugby yeah a couple other players to bring up uh samoa i think samoa's got a pretty solid team they've got two players sam malolo hooker from san diego who i thought had a pretty strong year and of course uh, new york wing ed fido who's also capped for sevens uh, be fun to watch him out there rampaging tonga has uh say misi paya another new england Free Jacks player, and then uh, Uruguay. We got to talk a little bit about them. They've got uh, a number of players who will be debuting. I guess is the right word to say for Miami next year. And we we mentioned already Scrumaf Tomas Cubelli. He's got eighty plus caps for the Pumas. Sorry for Argentina. You've got Manuel Ardao. He's a flanker from Uruguay. Who's going to be 25 on Saturday. That's his birthday. I looked it up on Wikipedia. But he's the captain of Peñarol. He, I think, is going to have a big impact uh, for Miami. He looks to have a set to have a pretty solid Rugby World Cup. 
Felipe Echeverri, kind of, he's a fullback fly half um, for Uruguay. And then Tomas, Tomas Inciarte, uh, center for Uruguay. Just a couple of names to, to look out for. Uh, but then closer to home, uh, you know, a player that was on Old Glory DC for a couple of weeks and then kind of fell off. Maybe there just wasn't quite a fit for him in the front row. But Facundo Gatas, right, the hooker for Old Glory DC, he, I believe he's made their Uruguay um, roster for the Rugby World Cup. We had a lot of high hopes for him uh, for Old Glory DC, but it just didn't seem like, you know, he meshed with the system. Another guy like Romero Herrera just didn't seem like they meshed with the system too well. Looking back on the season, what, what do you think happened there with Gattas? Yeah, that's an interesting one because he he was sort of he was signed in 2022, halfway through the season, played a couple of games, got injured, like less than 80 minutes of total rugby. It was it was a, a tough time for him, and then he really got passed up this time by who was our starting hooker this time. This Nick Suchin. Nick Suchin. Yeah. yeah, so he got passed up this time by Nick Suchin, who really took that role and, and sort of made it his own. And, I mean, Gattis still got a, quite a bit of time for us. He played a lot of the backup minutes. I mean, he was he was the backup hooker basically the entire season, you know, barring that little bit where Coit um, Coit Nelligan got a, got a run out. Yeah, he just, I don't know what it is stylistically or if it's what it is, but he, he just never seems to have quite been able to take full ownership of the the hooker, hooker role at, at Old Glory. Yeah. We got to bring up another hooker, uh, former Old Glory DC player for Romania. And I always struggle to say his name, but I'm going to try and say it here in AKP. And you can let me know if I've pronounced it correctly. But Rob Uramescu. Did I, did I get it? Yep, that's that's about right. Yeah. He, played hook, he played hooker for Old Glory DC. Tell us a little bit about uh, kind of his playing style and what you remember from him in his Old Glory days. Yeah, he was he was basically our starting hooker in 2022. He was, you know, <laughs> when Gaddis got injured, it was him and Mo Katz pretty much had that role locked down in 2022. And... We got him from New York, where he was getting sort of spot minutes. He was a a backup, a fairly heavily used backup, but still a backup there. And then he came and was basically a starter for us. He is... I think he did a pretty good job. I was sort of disappointed not to see him come back this year, although it makes sense. He, He left Old Glory pretty much to go join the Romanian national team. That was always one of his his life goals and so he you know he sort of gave up mlr to to go train with them full time so you know it's good to see players achieving their dreams and you know he wouldn't be there if it weren't for mlr so it's great to see players you know proving themselves in mlr getting opportunities with their national teams and and achieving lifelong dreams yeah Absolutely. Good point. MLR has certainly been a, a springboard for a lot of international players we've seen over the last couple of years. So that's a good call out there. AKP, two other players that I want to bring up, they don't have a connection to MLR, but these are 
two players who were born in the U.S. who are playing for Rugby World Cup squads. And Jeremy Loffman and Joe McCarthy. (laughs) Jeremy Loffman, born in Reno, Nevada. Joe McCarthy, born in Manhattan, New York, are both forwards for Ireland. Now, a lot of people putting Ireland in the discussion as one of the four, maybe five teams that have a shot at, at winning the Rugby World Cup. It's, it's amazing, one, that you've got two domestic-born players who are playing high-level rugby, and for Ireland, no less. you <laughs> love for them to have stayed in the U.S., but, you know, the you know, parents move abroad, careers, family, things like that. Um, you know, so for anyone who, who says that there are not high-quality rugby players being born in the U.S., those two guys for Ireland are, contradict that point. Uh, but uh, be on the lookout for them because I think Ireland's got a real good shot at winning the Rugby World Cup this year. But we'll see. AKP, uh, I got to ask you here, um, you know, uh, as the, the Rugby World Cup kicks off on Friday, who are some of the teams that you'll be rooting for, have an interest in, um, this year well my my priorities when when rooting for for teams go old glory at, at top always gonna root for old glory england gotta root for england that's where i'm my heritage can't avoid it and then beyond that i just want chaos <laughs> so i will always be rooting for the underdog I will be yeah. rooting if it's two teams where neither one is really the underdog. I just want the most silly, ridiculous things to happen. I would, I would happily cheer on a like seventy to sixty-five win by, say, New Zealand over Australia or something. That would be perfect. I would also the other way. If someone can win uh, three to zero, that would be absolutely perfect. I want the tier two nations to just wipe the wipe the floor with the the tier one nations as much as possible that would be great i want i want some embarrassing uh moments for tier one nations like when who was it we had that who just um one of the world cups we had a a player who absolutely just like burned a south african winger down the the sideline you know straight foot race and won I uh, he uh, I can never pronounce his name, but it's one of the best highlights. And the player he burnt was Brian Habana. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just burnt Brian Habana. <laughs> yeah, great he, player. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Can't remember his name off the top of my head, but like moments like that—that's what yeah. I want. To be honest, I don't follow a lot of international rugby that closely, so I don't even know most of the. Uh, you know, I couldn't name. You could name the uh, the the French squad, and I would know maybe one or two names. You could name the New Zealand squad; I'd be lucky to be able to know a name or two. So, for me, it's 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 mostly just about seeing some some fun things happen, enjoying some I, chaos. I love it. I'm I'm there with you. Um, when it comes to international rugby, if the men's or women's eagles aren't in it, then. You know, I go to my next team, and that would be Ireland. I'd really love to see Ireland win the Rugby World Cup. I think they got a chance. It's going to be hard to knock off France at home, even though they did lose their, their starting fly half in, in Natamak. You can't count out South Africa, the defending champs. New Zealand's always going to be uh, in the mix, and I think you can throw Ireland in there. And 
maybe Argentina as a, as a dark horse to bring it a little bit closer to home, this, this region of the world. And I'm agree, I agree with you. I want chaos, right? If you look across the pools here, I'm rooting. Anytime Uruguay goes out there, I'm rooting for them in, in Pool A. They're going to have a tough go of it against New Zealand, France, and Italy, and Namibia's in there. If you look at Pool B, maybe Scotland can surprise people, but uh, I would be a little bit worried about Tonga. In, in Pool B, they've got some 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 big players, you know, that could maybe give Ireland and Scotland and South Africa a little bit of a, a little bit of a scare. And you know, Romania is in there. You know, I'd love to see them play well. Pool C gets a little interesting, right? You've got a squad like Wales that is definitely tough times in Wales. Australia's having a tough go of things of late, and then you've got Fiji who just knocked off England. Yeah. Not too long ago, and I, I think England may be doing a little bit of a rope a dope scenario here, where they're lowering expectations ahead of this rugby. I think World they're Cup. just trash. I'll be honest. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, we'll see. Um, they're they're in another pool. We'll get to them uh, in a second. But you have a squad like Georgia here, who seemingly just on the outside of of you know, you know those top, you know the the six nations. Seemingly, they're always knocking on the door, a team to be included in there. And you got Portugal, who, you know, they're a fun team to watch. I think they're still probably a couple cycles away from really making some real noise. But that's going to be interesting. You know, if Fiji comes out of there, Australia, does Wales? I don't know. Can Georgia squeak in there? Um, you know, there's chaos there. But I think Pool yeah. D, Pool D is, if you want chaos, AKP, this is the pool for you. You've got England. You say they're trash. <laughs> we will see. You've got Japan, who it looks like they've been struggling of late. They have not performed well. They've dropped some games over the last couple of weeks where they just haven't looked that sharp. You've got Argentina now. Argentina is a top squad. I mean, the Pumas, Pumas can make a semifinal run. Wouldn't that be something else? Uh, yeah. And then you've got Samoa in Chile. I think Samoa, there's a lot of talent there. They could surprise people. And I'm going to root for Chile. I know there's some bad <laughs> blood between USA and Chile simply because Chile just qualified uh, for the Rugby World Cup at the expense of the men's Eagles. But, you know, I'm rooting for a, a, a squad like Chile and their very first Rugby World Cup for them to be able to make some noise, get a win, and just kind of reestablish the fact that there are some really good rugby being played in Tier 2 nations and yeah. the better that some of these two-tier nations get, you hope it helps the USA get better. You hope it get, Canada gets better. Chile, Uruguay, Argentina, and then you start looking at some other countries in South America where rugby's starting to come up. Brazil is starting to get a club together. You know They're in Super Rugby Americas, and you look at Paraguay, that's another country that's trying to get stuff together. Like If we can raise the level of competition down here in our region of the world. I think that's good for, for everyone. But Pool D may be your, your chaos pool. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like you say, I if I could have one thing out of this World Cup, it would be for the Tier 2 nations to really prove that, you know, the small-minded idiots that say that, you know, there's only, you know, nine or ten nations worth paying attention to and everyone else is an also ran that nobody cares about and should be kicked out of the world cup i want i want them to be proven wrong i want tier two to make a really good name for itself and really prove like look the rest of the world is interesting too like 
you know, it's not just the classic tier one nations that can have success. And, you know, there's a lot of nations that are really catching up there. I mean, you know, Georgia, like you say, really has had some strong results in, in recent times. You've got, you've had promising results from Portugal and from, um, you know, some of those other nations that are, that are sort of right on the cusp. And the thing is, you know, it's not everyone can be good. Every sport is going to have teams that are at the top and teams that are not at the top. And, and especially in something international like this, where, you know, there's, there's going to be less, you know, ability for, for teams to get better or worse or really change their, their station. But there's been a lot of like sort of small minded attitudes around the, the place and on social media from, tier one nation fans where they really just don't want to care about anything that's outside of their countries and it's so limiting like it's it's the world cup it should be for the entire world and you know i know there are already plans to expand the world cup to 24 nations for the the world cup in 2031 in the u.s and i really want this world cup to to prove that attitude correct and yeah. show why there would be value in that yeah what i'm excited about for this rugby world cup is again as you mentioned the chaos and the fact that um, the games are taking place in france you'll be able to watch fans in the u.s will be able to watch all the matches i think the, the earliest game starts at 7 a.m eastern standard time uh in the u.s so for our west coast folks that want to watch a really early one that's going to be at 4 a.m for them but 7 a.m., I think 9.30, 11.30, 11.45, and like 3 p.m., those are all the Eastern time kickoffs. So I'm hopeful that the average rugby fan and someone new to the sport happens to be on Peacock or sees it on CNBC. There's a couple of games on NBC. I wish the final was going to be live on NBC. I think that's going to be a tape delay, but ample opportunities for for people to watch uh the rugby world cup uh this year yeah thank goodness it's on peacock too because it's so hard to find affordable streaming options for for sports and peacock is one of the few where you know it's really not that expensive per month and and you're gonna get the entire rugby world cup and that's that's awesome yeah all right i got two things to close this out one who do you think will win the Rugby World Cup this year? Not England. <laughs> Part of this is my me getting my expectations down so that I'm not disappointed when they inevitably... Because they're, what they're going to do is they're going to have a good result. You're going to be like, oh, maybe. And then they're just going to be terrible. It's I, I have very little hope for this. Yeah, no, other than that, I, I don't really know. I mean, people have talked a lot about France and Ireland, and, and I hope it is, I hope it's not South Africa, and I hope it's not New Zealand, and not Australia, because they've all, they've all won it before, and I, I don't really want a repeat winner. I would, I would be okay with England winning it again, but, uh, <laughs> but that, that's for personal. But really, you know, I do, I feel like, you know, it's only a few nations have won it, and I would I would love to see a new nation at the top. I'm on board with that. I would love to see a new nation win the Rugby World Cup. Uh, I'll be pulling for, for Ireland. We'll see. England does open up their Rugby World Cup against Argentina 
on Saturday. So that's definitely going to be one to watch. Argentina uh, winning would be fantastic. Yeah, that would be something else. Yeah. Um, AKP, I'm going to uh, switch things up for you on your final thoughts here. But give me your take on why England will win their pool and get to the quarterfinals. Okay. England can win their pool because for the same reason they've always been able to to win. They they have the talent. There are the players. Like they are not they are second to none in terms of just raw quality of players. And you know, it's a new coach, it's a new system. There are gonna be some bumps early in the road. If they can if they can find themselves and find their strategy and find their identity and pull together as a team, there's no reason they should not be able to challenge anyone in the, the World Cup. So if, if if they get there, that'll be why. All right, one more curveball. Will they perform better than Australia, which is now coached by Eddie Jones? I'm going to say probably not, but they could. I don't have a lot of confidence in Australia either. Which inevitably means this is going to be the 2003 Redux, where we're going to have uh, Australia, England in the in the finals. Wouldn't that be something else? (laughs) That would be chaos. That would be chaos worth talking about. That would be chaos worth talking about. Well, the, the Rugby World Cup kicks off on Friday: France versus New Zealand. I'm excited to watch it it's i think it's going to be a lot of fun and as we mentioned it's going to be a number of active and future mlr players participating so one to look out for and we'll cover it over the next couple of weeks i'm rooting for ireland poor akp is rooting for england we'll see how they do at the rugby world cup but for my co-host alistair kirschpool I am John Fitzpatrick. You've been listening to the Glorious Rugby Podcast. We'll catch you next week. Bye.